What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. Another week has passed of training camp, kind of, and uh, and there has been a lot of news that has passed through this week. The Bills wound up seeing uh, another player opt out in EJ Gaines, and then for a solid, I'd say, 28 hours or so, um, there was some concern from uh, fans of the team that they might be without Tredavious White, uh, who was contemplating opting out. But uh, White wound up staying and will be participating in the 2020 season. He did not opt out. So the Bills, from an on-field perspective, uh, they they definitely benefit from that. But also in the same vein, um, it, they also have to consider Tredavious White's feelings in all of this. And, and as he's right to... to uh, process the uh, the whole COVID nineteen crisis and the concerns that come with it as as it uh, goes to all his family and, and everything along those lines, as a lot of players did throughout all this. But uh, it it has been an interesting week to say the least. Uh, with me, as always, my co-host Matthew Fairburn here on the Buffalo Beat, and uh, Matthew, when Tredavious was speaking. And I know it's it's somewhat in the past, but still, I think, relevant because of perhaps the concerns that might be playing on a lot of guys' minds. What was your initial thought to Tredavious and what he said and and everything that came out along with it? Yeah, I think, you know, it opened some eyes. I think it was a, a bit of a sobering reminder of what players and coaches and everyone, you know, tied to the league is going to have to go through this year in order to in order for this thing to happen uh start to finish and you know there were i think you know without getting into the the weeds of who said what and how the response to it was you know um Mm -hmm. i think when you hear tredavious white speak uh you hear a guy that that certainly has tremendous concern for his family and and what they're going to have to go through during this season. He has two young kids at home. His girlfriend would be, you know, will be away from Louisiana. Um, They won't have their parents around and and things like that. You know, the kids won't be able to travel back and forth. Um, You know, sacrifices that not just Tredavious White has to make, but his family has to make too. And then, you know, hearing him talk about his contract and different things like that, you you start to realize that this guy sees the big picture and he sees how he fits into it, um, you know, for for his family, the way that he can change their lives, the way that he can um, really make a difference for generations to come uh, for, for those he cares about. And for him to not only consider opting out, which I would assume almost every player did in some way, whether it was for a second or for weeks, but for him to voice it the way that he did, I thought was, Mm -hmm. was pretty powerful because we've heard a lot of the same messaging coming out of not just one bill's drive, but uh, you know, NFL training camps around the entire league about, you know, players and coaches saying how safe everything's going to be. I mean, the general line of messaging has been, this is fine. This is great everybody's protecting us, making us feel really safe, et cetera, et cetera. And Tredavious White was kind of like, 
real for a second. You know, he 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 kind of gave everybody a dose of reality and reminded everybody what these players are going are you know sacrificing, what they have to go through, and also reminded everybody that just because owners are spending money and there's all these protocols in place, that doesn't mean this virus isn't going to make its way into locker rooms or you know wipe mm-hmm. out sections of a team. Um, you know, for a couple of weeks, if, if positive tests come, come through. So I think it was a bit of a a reality shock about the entire season. I understand the people that, that celebrated when, when he decided to play, but the fact that it was weighing on him that much and the fact that he, you know, had so many reservations, I think tells you something about sports in general, uh, trying to play during everything that's going on around the country it is not it's not just a close your eyes and and hope everything goes okay there's some serious concerns for these guys yeah for sure and I think when Tredavious White was speaking uh it was you know it it wasn't it didn't feel calculated or anything like that It, it it just felt like you said it felt real and almost as though he wasn't just going through the paces, going through the motions, talking with the media. He was actually giving thoughtfulness to his answers. And, you know, I, I, I appreciated that uh, from from his perspective. You know, in doing so, I mean, I don't know that he uh, probably predicted the uproar from some facets of the fan base that came from it. And he came out and responded pretty strongly on Twitter, at least, to say, look, you know, th- this is another reason why my uh, my girlfriend's grandfather died of COVID-19. Um, and he didn't need to explain himself any further, but, you know, that's, he felt like he had to, but just because he was being real for a second. And, you know, that's, that's uh, I wonder if we'll ever get that, that type of, realness or thoughtfulness from him him again when it, it he felt like even if it was just a small percentage of people that was coming at him um that he felt like that it blew up on him a little bit so i, I think we will from my perspective i think we will you do because okay. i think in part he was that real look if we weren't gonna get it again that would have happened already i feel like he's had some moments where you know he's has his reservations about speaking to the media to begin with. Sometimes during the season, he can be a tough guy to pin down, but Mm -hmm. the fact that he spoke and didn't tow the company line, um, he had some things on his mind and he wanted to say them. And I think he's the, he's starting to grow into the type of person and who can, who's willing to do that. Who's, I mean, you've seen him on Twitter, um, with some of the, the social issues going on around the country He's not very shy. And so I think it's a matter of he's already kind of, you know, to your point, a little bit um, reserved at times. Uh, He picks his spots. So I don't I don't think he's going to come out again next week and be talking about a different issue or or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I do think when he wants to speak, he knows how to get his point across and. I don't think any of that was was by accident. He he wanted that to be said. And I also thought he was super open and honest about his contract, too, which was really refreshing to hear him talk the way that he did. And I think 
we might continue to get that if for no other reason than because because of some of those responses. I could see it going either way. I could see what you're talking about where he says, oh, this isn't worth it, the backlash. But maybe the backlash right. makes him all the more you know, willing to speak his mind and say, no, this is who I am. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a human being with loved ones that I care about deeply, and then, right. and then I'm a football player. Um, I do wonder that the same thing you wonder every time that happens to a player where it's like, yeah, Great. absolutely. This got attention. This was well, in some corners, well received, and others not. Um, that's the last we'll ever hear from that person. But I almost, I almost felt like it was a little bit of a turning point for him in terms of um, he didn't have to answer any of those questions the way that he did, and he did anyways. Um, and I, I don't mm-hmm. think it was by accident. Yeah, that that's that's interesting. That maybe it it could be a turning point. I hadn't quite thought about it that way, but. You know, we've we've just seen so many examples of guys that have just shut down after they uh, that they have they say something that maybe not everyone agrees with, and then it completely blows up on them, or at least the uh, the minority of people that disagree with it s- seem to be the loudest, which sometimes is is the the biggest thing with with any slight controversy even if that is a controversy at all which i don't think it is one iota but you know how he goes from here will be incredibly interesting and if he kind of develops into perhaps maybe more of a a vocal leader within the locker room maybe maybe that that becomes something or just that just being vocal in terms of being real and taking on real life issues all of those things that's that's for the betterment of everybody in there and and if he's unafraid of it moving forward that's great but if if uh he, he has to kind of censor himself a little bit because he doesn't like the backlash i mean that's completely understandable too because you know n- nobody likes to just be told what you believe is just terrible and and you're selfish and all of this i mean it it's totally out of line especially with this uh, specific situation because every player, every human is allowed to process what is happening with the coronavirus. And especially in their line of work, the collective bargaining agreement was revised so that players did have the option to uh, to get out of the 2020 season if they did not feel comfortable with it. They were given that option. I know it's not the same at every single job, but the NFL is not the same as most jobs. So the fact that he was willing to open up and and go through that mental process a bit, he should not be vilified for it. This is not this is not a situation where he's in the wrong. He's right to think about these things. And how long it takes him to to contemplate everything, that's a totally personal decision. So uh, you know, I didn't understand the backlash. I know people want their football and everything along those lines, but uh, at the end of the day, these guys are humans. They're allowed to process things just like you and I. And uh, if they have the opportunity uh, from the collective bargaining agreement to to opt out and they want to, good for them. That's their choice. Yeah, I wonder if it's a thing where maybe we don't hear from him as often, but when we do hear from him, it's honest. Um, right. That was always the case. And I don't think these two guys are... Uh, similar in, in hardly any ways, but that was how it always was with LaShawn McCoy. It was it would take forever before you would hear from him, but when you did hear from him, uh, 
he usually had something interesting to say. Uh, and I think in regards to Tredavious's decision and, and everything along those lines, I mean, yeah, not only was the option to opt out collectively bargained, but, you know, the people that want to compare this to any other job or or anything like that or, or call his decision selfish, all you have to do is is a little bit of math and a little bit of reasoning beyond just your hot take and say, okay, this guy's in line for a massive contract. He's in line for a huge raise next year on his fifth year Mm -hmm. option. And he's willing to delay that to keep his family safe. That doesn't sound selfish to me. If if it Mm -hmm. were a a selfish move, um, you know, all you have to do is follow the, the money in this case to know that, A, it wasn't very selfish. And, you know, what's wrong with some guys being a little bit selfish during all of this? You know, what's wrong with a player thinking about himself? You want to talk about selfish? You've got 32 NFL owners plowing forward with a season when, you know, we don't know yet whether it's completely safe to do so. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're looking out for their bottom line. Why shouldn't Tredavious White look out for himself? Um, this idea that you need to fall in line with the owners or you need to fall in line with the team is is really, you know, it's a way to just trap these guys into a box. And I, I really thought it was great that, that Tredavious White stepped outside of that and said and was honest and open about, uh, you know, the idea that he had reservations, legitimate reservations, and, you know, he was going to think it over and take it up to the, the last minute. And, you know, some people maybe were, were put off by that. I think the vast majority of fans were probably, um, you know, in line with what we're saying here, um, recognize Absolutely. That, you know, I think it's not a, a unique uh, deal to, to Bill's fans. These are sports fans all over the country that have segments of their fan base that are vocal and, um, you know, confrontational and, and just ignorant sometimes about certain things. That's not unique to Bill's fans. Um, but I think the vast majority of people understood because I think the vast majority of people are going through some of these same things, right? They're, we're, we're all kind mm-hmm. of figuring out how do you balance making a living with staying safe? How do you, you know, you know, what's worth it? What's important? And I think that's all Tredavious White was talking about. Some of the same things that everybody else is going through and the whataboutism and some of the other things that um, certain people threw out there um, clearly caught his attention, but you can find that if you're looking for it anywhere. Um, yeah, and, true. And so certainly, you know, those people um, don't deserve uh, much, much airtime or much, much thought, but they're out there. They're always going to be out there. And uh, I think for the most part, people were, people were supportive and I'm sure his teammates were supportive. I'm sure his coaches were supportive and, I'm sure they're excited to have um, their best, frankly, their best player <laughs> on the field. Um, yeah. uh, is it, it's a certainly a boost, but um, it would have been hard to blame him if he chose the other way. Really, not that many guys. Uh, we we didn't. He would have been the biggest name, I think. Yeah. If he had opted mm-hmm. out, um, not just on the Bills in the entire league. Uh, I think the final total was around sixty six. Um, sixty nine, exactly. 69. Actually, nice mm-hmm. and. Uh, some, there were some good players. Um, I don't want to like 
you know, say, oh, all these guys that opted out sucked. That, that wasn't the case, but um, there, there was some thinking for a while there that, oh, there's going to be this mass exodus of players, and it hasn't, mm-hmm. it hasn't quite been that way. So we'll see what happens. There's still a long way to go before they kick this thing off. There's still um, not that guys can opt out. You know, the deadline has passed, but there's um, certain exceptions they make. Um, you know, if a family member gets sick or, or something else happens, and um, who knows how the, the players hold some power here is what we learned, I think, from Tredavious White, is when they want to exercise it, the players hold some power. If this season mm-hmm. gets to a point where it's unsafe to play, the players do still hold some power. And I know the opt-out deadline has passed and all that, but they always hold some power. So that was a reminder. I, I think you know it was easy the first few days of, of camp. You get the intro Zoom calls. You get the uh, you know some, some big-name players on Zoom calls. Everything seems a little bit normal. And Tredavious White kind of was just like, this isn't really normal. Um, <laughs> you know, his first press conference mm-hmm. of training camp last year, I'm sure he wasn't talking about whether he'd want to play. Um, so there's a lot that's not normal about this season. And I think Tredavious White was a, a big, uh, big blinking reminder of that. Yeah, Tredavious White, if, if he did anything wrong, it's that he violated the age-old rule never read the replies <laughs> i mean it's it's rules. yes yes it's um it's one that you know just go on with your day particularly and, important and in these figure times out. uh absolutely you know, absolutely uh, you know look no further than today with with jake Fromm, and um yeah don't i've been trying to follow that rule it's not always easy but uh i've been trying right. to follow that rule yeah the one the one thing that Tredavious White, I mean, to his point, and again, why it's not like a normal job or anything along those lines, these guys are quite literally smashing into each other every single snap. And that is not great for the whole social distancing thing. And and they are not in the type of bubble that uh, that the NHL or the NBA has provided with, with their players. So all you need is really one bad decision from a teammate inside your room or inside uh, or from a position that you come into contact with pretty frequently and then all of a sudden you have guys contracting the virus and then you have like you said segments of the locker room that that could wind up being really impacted by it because of if a person gets bored of being at home and they, they get a little selfish and they don't practice the, the, the social distancing rules. I mean, all of this, it, it has a trickle down effect. So, I mean, he's and I know we've we've been talking about it a lot, but it's because it's important. He's right to question uh, all of this and and figure out what's what's best for him. So, uh, you know, ultimately, I'm sure it helped that the five cases that the bills have went down to one and they haven't had a single positive case since then, or at least someone added to the the reserve COVID-19 list. But um, it's still only the first couple of weeks and guys aren't getting stir crazy in their houses and, and they're, they're trying to make teams. They're trying to be on their best behavior. But what happens in week seven of the season when it's, I don't know, November, 
late October and players have been doing the same thing for three months on end. And at, at one point, let's say someone just goes, okay, I, I just need to get out of the house. I just need to do something. And then, and then all hell could break loose. So it, it he's, he's right to be concerned with everything. Well, and another thing to add a couple points, one, you mentioned it not being like any other job because they're, they're smashing into each other and, and all the, there's various aspects of playing football that make it not like other jobs. But another reason mm-hmm. it's not like any other job is that Tredavious White is one of, conservatively, I'll say, one of the five best cornerbacks in football. That makes him one of the five best people in the world at what he does. And when you're that good at something, you get options. Not only those that are collectively bargained, but you also get choices. Tredavious White can ponder opting out because he can come back next year and his spot on the team is pretty safe uh he mm-hmm. you know his spot in the league is pretty safe that contract that life-changing contract he was talking about is still pretty safe whether it be here or somewhere else that's different for uh, joe blow who works wherever he works in town but it's also different for some of the guys on the team it's different for saran neal or dean marlowe or Taron Johnson, you know, anybody in that secondary who doesn't have a job as secure. When you're one of the five best people in the world at what you do, you get options. And if you're angry at Tredavious White for having options and considering those options, maybe you're just mad that you don't have those same options. So it's not like any other job. And football is not essential work either. So there's a lot of aspects about it that, you know, don't make it just like any other you know, person making this decision. And also, you know, when you talk about the the cases and yes, the, the cases have, have gone down, but the key point you, you made there is they're not in a bubble, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I remember kind of going through a few weeks ago, the lead up to hockey and, and basketball coming back and wondering, you know, whether it was going to work and, and how it was all going to work. And the day that you saw zero positive tests in the NBA bubble, zero positive tests in the NHL bubble. You're like, oh, this this might work. This could work. They could pull this off. Uh, the difference is it doesn't, the number of tests or the percentage of positive tests in the NFL on a day-to-day basis as those numbers are released, like, oh, this is great news. They got 1.6% positive tests or 2% positive tests. That doesn't matter at all because those are cases. It doesn't take 12% positives to to cause an outbreak and what does you know those tests those positive tests are just a snapshot in time because these guys are going home and they're you know some of them might be going out some of them might be coming into contact with the general public or their families and their families have come in contact with the general public so when you don't Mm -hmm. have a bubble how many tests you have uh, it's nice in the moment it's comforting on a day-to-day basis to be like okay the bills only have one uh you know, known positive test. He's been isolated. There are things you can do to isolate it and manage it. It's a lot easier to do that in a, in a football building than it is in the general public. But when you don't have the bubble, when you don't have the, the isolated environment, then, you know, a guy might test negative, but have been exposed the day before and test positive four days from now. And then what, you know, who's he come into contact with? So they have to be, Mm -hmm 
extra, you know, careful from that regard about getting too comfortable, I guess is my point. It's not that the yeah. the 1% or 2% isn't a positive sign or isn't, or that it doesn't matter at all, but it doesn't matter nearly to the level that it did in hockey and, and basketball. And they, they can't take it as a sign of, you know, everything's okay. And to your point, this is what week two that yeah. most of these guys have been here. We are so early into it. We don't know what, what's going to happen across the country in terms of, um, you know, in, in general, how, you know, the virus is going to go, what's going to happen in the fall. Um, you know, when you combine this with a flu season and, and the weather gets colder and then, you know, simply to your point, boredom could set in for some of these guys or, or just fatigue of following the protocols. And yeah, week two, you've got, you know, you're managing the the test. Well, the thing Tredavious White brought up that I thought was a good point was you're talking about doing this for five, six months. You're talking about having your families mm-hmm. do it for five or six months. And it's a lot. It's a lot to ask. And the fatigue is real yeah. in that, in that specific, can, I mean, everybody just, can relate to that. The, the fatigue, exactly. You know, from the quarantine, you know, you're like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta get out outside and do something or, um, you know, sit outside at a restaurant or, or find a, find a way to, to stay a little bit sane. Everybody can relate to that. And especially when you're walking into work, like these guys are with all the the protocols that are in place, wearing a mask all day, standing six feet apart from your teammates, nothing is normal in there. They don't even have that release uh, that they would normally get of going into work and playing football. Um, in a couple of weeks, they can throw some pads on and maybe things will feel a little bit more normal, but this is not um, the, the training camp that they're used to. So yeah, the, the fatigue and all those factors are going to be very real and they're easy to to brush aside and, and try to downplay, um, but it's you're talking about you know 80 guys on the roster at the moment, uh, 60 82. Well, yeah, <laughs> and then 69 guys during the regular season on the roster plus mm-hmm. however many coaches and staff members and you know that fatigue setting in individually for everybody is going to be something that every team has to wrestle with. Yeah, and it's it's only human nature that it's it's going to happen. I mean, I think one of the precautions that the NFL can take, uh, especially with when when the regular season starts to get going a little bit, uh, I don't know, I, I can't remember who was was putting the idea out there, but people were or some entity was pushing for these teams to fly in, fly out on the same day, which is brilliant because, you know, think of how many possible um, possible exposures could be avoided just by you know, these these players not having the freedom in a different city to go and explore on a Saturday night before the game. I mean, just it's it's one very simple measure. Does it screw up uh, your normal schedule of preparing for a week for for the year? Yeah, it does. But at the in the same vein, it also prevents things from really going south on on this whole operation. Problem so they just is need the to be very careful because they're flying to San Francisco, Denver, Vegas, and Phoenix. So they're going to have to fly in late Saturday nights um, and be like, "All right." Getting there, go to bed, going to the hotel. <laughs> now they already have some travel restrictions in place. Guys can't go to, um, 
hotel gyms. You can't go to the hotel restaurant or bar, room service only. So there's a lot of those. In but place, my question but is, how closely on, are they going to police it? Right. You're counting on, again, however many, probably 100 or so, you know, in the traveling party. Maybe that gets reduced. Counting on all those people to to follow it. The, the smart thing to do, and they have time to do it if they choose to, would be to adjust the schedule in some way. Imagine if the Bills had the travel schedule they had last year uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to this year, and you're not talking about four West Coast trips to Denver, Vegas, Phoenix, and San Fran, and instead it's Cleveland, Pittsburgh. You know, Finding a way to make it geographical a little bit um, might help you know facilitate what you're talking about, where you can jump on a plane and fly to Cleveland and play a game and fly back. That's easy. Um, and maybe, you know, there's a way to do it where you just fly late at night, you go right to the airport and you have people, you know, literally policing it. Maybe you've got security that says, no, you can't leave the building. You've already been, mm-hmm. you know, you've been tested. You're quarantining until you play a football game. Um, they have to take the travel stuff really seriously and what the, I think the advantage that they have over baseball is that you can conceivably do that, right? You're talking about one night tops. Some teams will be able mm-hmm. to fly in and out day of game for some road trips. One night tops as opposed to these baseball road trips, which sometimes can be, you know, three, four, five, six, seven days long. That's where you run into problems where, you know, guys can, which is part of the, you know, conversation surrounding, you know, like the Blue Jays coming here is like, man, you better make sure those guys aren't leaving the hotel. You know, we can't even watch these games. I don't know that I want baseball teams coming in out of here, but that's part of the problem. Whereas football, maybe they can pull that part of it off with a little bit more of a degree of safety, but it's something that they certainly, one of many things that they've got to really be on top of. Well, a very simple step that they could, that they could take, especially for teams traveling from coast to coast for specific games is just adjusting the time of the game because once the game is over i mean you have the full week to 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 bounce back from you know the the game and everything along those lines and and the the weird sleep schedule you might have on that individual day but it it would also prevent all of these different things from or different possibilities from happening so let's say uh, the majority of games um, uh, for when the Bills are on the West Coast are 4 to 4.15 type of starts, right? So let's say they fly out at 7 in the morning, which is, uh, and and it takes the five hours to get there. That still gives them a good three hours before the game um, to get in the throes of everything. So it's it's definitely doable. Well, would it be just a, would be, it would just okay, be a hellacious yeah, day. You would, yeah, you that would be... That'd be tough. I, I'm sure teams wouldn't like that. You know, you're talking. So yeah, your your body clock would think it was what four o'clock in San Francisco as you're jumping on the plane, and it takes five hours, and you're going right there. Who knows? Maybe it. You know, it's the same thing. I wonder about this training camp. We may be in a situation where you say, "Who knows? Maybe they didn't need all that training camp that they had before." You know, maybe they don't need preseason games. Uh, Maybe mm-hmm. two weeks, they're they're fairly, uh, you know, they're fairly okay. I don't know. Maybe the games will be really sloppy, but maybe you don't need to be there the night before the game. I don't know. Maybe guys would – it would be a long day. Um, 
for specific instances like traveling to San Francisco, Phoenix, a little less so, Denver, a little less so. Um, but isn't it worth it though? Less so, but it should, yeah, if you're talking about going there and being safe, then sure. Now right. the question yeah. is, can you pull off getting them there at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night? And, you know, because I guess wouldn't the same, the same questions would exist. Yeah. Saturday. Night it already messes Buffalo, up your sleep schedule. In Buffalo. Uh, if you're staying back in Buffalo, right. And flying on Sunday morning. What are you doing on Saturday night in Buffalo? So, um, yeah, either way, nobody likes traveling out to, you know, that long of a plane ride. Doing it on the same day, they would maybe have to adjust the time of the game, right? Instead of a 1 p.m. local kickoff, it's a 4 p.m. kickoff and 7 p.m. Eastern. Right. Gives them a little bit more time uh, to get adjusted and things like that. But you almost would rather, you know, you'd get some jet lag, you'd get that, but you probably have that anyways if you're flying out. Yeah, but the, you know. exactly. The thing and is, these guys are used to that sometimes too, right? Where you're flying, jumping right. off the plane and playing a game. So it, it can happen. The thing is, these guys are used to flying home on the night of a game. So, And they're used to falling asleep on planes and sometimes showing up at 2, 3 in the morning back, back to uh, back to the airport. I mean, this is this is something that they're used to. the The only converse effect from from doing it along those lines would be that you would have to wake up way earlier on the game day, and it it ruin or it uh, probably disrupts the the day of game routine. But if you're taking out all of those um, all of those different situations that could happen, I mean. It, a few hours of sleep or a, a few different routines that aren't fulfilled. It, it, I don't know. I know, I know, I know I'm sounding like a broken record here, but it just, it just seems worth it to me in the end. If you can just adjust the, the game times by like an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, whatever the case, just do what you need to do. So that way you don't have guys from other teams spending time or, and potentially going to explore because you know, there, there's a bit of a difference too. When you're home, you're you know what what everything is going on around you it's very predictable and especially if you have to travel early the next day you're not going to be doing much on that saturday night and then on top of it if you're out of your your normal uh your normal sphere you think to yourself all right well let's see what san francisco is all about and you know that that potentially puts you in bad situations and again how do you police it within the the hotel i mean is everybody going to be good or are guys gonna are guys gonna try to sneak out i mean these are things you have to is probably yeah the best way to do it and the other point too to what you're talking about why it would be safer to stay in buffalo is at least for now buffalo is a safer place to be uh than right exactly a lot of these places that they're traveling to nashville vegas uh phoenix you know um Miami, uh, week two, that's the first road trip. Uh, that's one I'd almost say absolutely day in, day out, you know, like on a mm-hmm. private plane, I'm sure that's a little under three hours to get down there. Right. You know, what's the difference between that and, um, you know, what some of these guys probably did in, in high school driving to games and, and playing. Just so. take out the variables. That's all you need to do. Take out the variables and then you can, as you can help as stop possible. it. As many yes, as exactly. Because as many as you can control. Which is kind of my point about the schedule is like I know that, you know, all these leagues and 
you know, colleges and everything get so protective over their schedule. And then you see what can happen when you get creative and you're not so rigid about, you know, certain things mm-hmm. you want games. Totally right. Do you want games on TV period? Or do you want, or, or do you need games as you scheduled them four years in advance, the way that the NFL has their structured <laughs> schedule? Cause right. you do it that way. You may risk having an interrupted season or something else. If you want, I know what they want. Bottom line is 16 games on TV for every team. Uh, they want that TV revenue, and probably the way to get it is to give yourself a schedule that maximizes your ability to play 16 games, which means minimizing the risk of you know spreading this virus and eliminating coast-to-coast road trips. Seems like a pretty decent way to start. Um, it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but. Um, I'm not saying I have a schedule in front of me that could work exactly for the Bills, but there are people dedicated to that in the league office that could come up with a backup plan, could condense it if it needed to be condensed. Uh, you look at look at what the college teams are doing. Usually they're booking games, what, seven years in advance. You, we get a, you see a news release, Notre Dame's going to play uh, BYU in 2028, and it's like, great, looking forward to that one. And then, you know, (laughs) they say, oh, we can't be flexible with our schedule because, you know, we got these games, TV deals so far in advance. And they all get ripped up, you know, this this summer as they're trying to find a schedule that can possibly work for some of these conferences. You look at oh, the competitive balance, this and that. Look at what hockey and basketball have had to do to finish their seasons. Look at what baseball had to do um, just to get a season in. The NFL could, if it wanted to, make a regionalized schedule and get back on their plan in future years. But they had to have the schedule release show in April. They had to tell everybody that everything was normal and everything was fine and hope that the virus would go away by August and September, but it's not gone. And so I think to me, that makes some sense. I don't know that they're going to do it, but mm-hmm. considering some variations to the schedule would be, uh, they should have that in their back pocket if they need to, to take that type of action. Yeah, or uh, they could have the season extend longer than they're used to as well, like have more time in between games, a two-week buildup, something like that to to flush out if there are any positive tests or anything along those lines, gives you ample time to, to, uh, to test and to find out results of tests, everything like that. But they, they have a lot of options, but if they're hell-bent on the rigid thinking that, that you're talking about, then, you know, that's just creating potential for more negative things to happen. So it, it has to be a fluid situation. You have to control as many variables as you can, but you also have to be willing to adapt. And I think that's the most important thing when you talk about a season like this. And if you're, and if you're unwilling to do that, then, you know, you, you could wind up in a spot where, where uh where baseball might be because they have a very rigid 60 game schedule and it's like okay well how are the cardinals going to make up all those games how are the marlins going to make up all those games you 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 don't know because they're they're very dedicated to this one schedule and do they go to winning percentage or what it's just gonna it's it's gonna be messy so if the nfl becomes a bit more fluid then maybe baseball is handling it then they've got a shot to get a full 16 game season in, but they're going to go through challenges. It's, it, it's almost inevitable. And if it, if they don't go through a challenge, then good on them that, that they figured it out somehow, but they're just, or they with got so lucky. many different, but, 
Yeah, but exactly. Like, if there, if there, there are so many different individuals, though, inside inside a locker room, inside a building, more than Major League Baseball and and these other sports that are that are resuming. So there are just that many more chances where something could happen. So uh, it's they they need to be very fluid with how they're approaching things throughout the year. And we've heard so much since the start of all this that oh, football has time on its side. The NFL has time on its side doesn't mean all that much if you don't use it if you don't learn from what goes wrong right in other leagues so exactly uh, open your eyes learn something and figure out a way to make it work it's not that i don't think there's a way to make it work it's just that i don't know if i trust the league enough to find that way um, and to do it as safely as possible and to put safety first above everything else because um, as andrew brant has <laughs> tweeted a few times if it, if it were only about safety, they probably wouldn't play. Um, it's There's obviously a balance there, uh, as there is throughout the country for a lot of people saying, all right, you know, the there's a bottom line, uh, there's money to be made, there's um, bills to pay, but that doesn't mean you got to throw safety out the window either. And, and it's, mm-hmm. it's important to ask these questions and wonder these things about the league and hold them, you know, to a certain standard because they haven't been uh, the gold standard when it comes to player safety in the past. That's not, that's not them. That's not what they're, uh, they're known for. It's the opposite. So that's where, Mm -hmm. you know, so many of these questions come from. I mean, look, I think we all want a, a, a safe way to have a football season and for, it to actually happen because quite literally, I mean, from your and I perspective, we write about it. So of course we would like to have things to write about, but it's also a matter of, okay, is it going to be safe? All of these different things are, are these human beings that are out there on the field every single week, are, are they going to be put in a safe spot every single week, especially without the the bubble theory that the NHL and the NBA are are going about in uh, as they resume their leagues. So it it really all depends how the league responds at the first sign of adversity. Because of course, when teams initially report and they go there, they're going to have a few um, positive tests or come into contact. They're going to have a few more people that go on the the reserve COVID-19 list. But then there's, there's probably going to be a lull where you don't see many guys added to this list because they're all in the throes of training camp. But then once the regular season starts kicking into gear and the boredom factor set, settles in, that's where the NFL is going to need to be fluid. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, selfishly i hope there's football but and that it that it flourishes and it's safe and those are the 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 big two things safety above all else but um at at the same time uh you know we we have to be very real when thinking about what could be this year yeah it's not you know i've seen the uh the sentiment out there uh most most recently from Kyle Brandt uh, of NFL Network that there's that sports reporters are out there rooting for these seasons to be canceled, which is uh, no, I like my job. It's a nauseating, <laughs> uh, nauseating take, and he's been pretty sufficiently buried for it online. Yeah. But the the point, because uh, I'm sure people listening to us, maybe there's some people listening thinking that we're, you know, hoping that's what happens. That is not. Uh, well, well, like you said, we like our jobs. Um, we like being gainfully yeah. employed. Those, those are good things. But also those jobs require us to 
see the truth um, and, and kind of, you know, ask questions and make sure, um, you know, you're, you're trying to, you have a, you're beholden to the truth. You're not beholden to what you want personally. Like, mm -hmm. sure. I want mm -hmm. there to be a football season. Um, but by asking questions and acknowledging reality, uh, doesn't mean I'm rooting against it. It means uh, you're right. doing your job as, as a reporter or a journalist and, the people that think you know people are rooting against these seasons, bear, putting your head in the sand doesn't solve anything either. Um, you know, and that does. If you want the league to do it safely, you ask questions and you you try to you know acknowledge some of the risks involved so that they do a good job and so that they do it better and they can do it successfully. If you just bury your head in the sand and say everything's great, uh, rah rah, go football. Um, you know, that doesn't solve any problems either. You don't. You, you can't wish the virus away. You can't out positivity mm -hmm. the virus. Like the virus doesn't care how bad you want football. So um, you have to, you know, do everything as a league with that in mind. And it seems like so far, you know, they, they might be off to a good start. But like you said, uh, the real tests are, are probably still to come. Yeah, and right on cue, uh, Field Yates of ESPN tweets, a good day overall for the NFL in regards to COVID constraints as just one player was placed on the reserve COVID list around the league. This is the lull that I'm talking about. Like, it's it's going to happen where there's not going to be positive tests. I, I'm pretty sure this happened with baseball as well. And then once, once you started adding more variables to everything, then that's when you started seeing or the boredom started to set in and the fatigue – um, that that's when you started to see all of these different uh, uh, ways that adversity could strike. So uh, it will be interesting to see how how it happens with the NFL and how the NFL responds. That will be the ultimate test to see whether or not we go through with a full 16 game season. Um, I'm I'm an optimistic person by nature, so uh, I would like to think that they that they get to 16 games. Uh, and that they're going to be safe above all else. But again, you have to be real about it all, about it all, all as well. So um, it just remains to be seen. All right, Matthew Fairburn, uh, any uh, fond words of farewell for our listeners until next week? I feel like many of, of the words have, have been spoken here today, but we'll get, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll be able to dive deeper into matters of, of football um yes. on field stuff pretty soon august 17th is the first time we're going to get to watch practice so one more week of them kind of being behind closed doors and them doing they'll start ota type style practices soon but august 17th is when the uh, the run of 14 padded practices begins and that's when training camp coverage will start to feel a little bit more normal for people um mm -hmm. but we've got plenty of stories over at the athletic uh I know you did a roster projection. Tim dove into the extensions for Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and what all will go into that. Um, you know, I've been wrote about Jake Fromm today, um, spoke with him. There's a lot up there and there's going to be a lot more uh, to come. And then once they hit the field, uh, people know what that's all about. So it's about oh, to yeah. get it's about to get uh, football -y up in here. Yeah, love it. Football. -y. Uh, I'll, I'll be using that soon. All right, my friend, thank you very much. And uh, thank you all for listening to us here on this episode of the Buffalo Beat, however you do. And again, like Matthew said, if you haven't yet subscribed to The Athletic, go ahead and go to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. All right, everyone, be well, and uh, we will talk to you next week. See you then.